Good morning, Lift Church. My name is Chris Olula, and I'm so excited to welcome you this morning as we worship God and hear from His Word to grow in our faith together. Now, this is your first time joining with us. We want to connect with you. So go ahead, take a minute to go to our info page. It's at liftchurch.info. Fill out the connect register. There you can let us know if you have any questions, concerns, update any information you have, as well as fill out a prayer request. Now we have our staff, our leadership team, our elders, and our prayer team who would love to pray with you this week and meet you where you're at. So please take a minute to do that. The other thing you'll find on the info page is a place where you can give. Now, if this is your first time joining with us this morning, your gift is just being here. So please don't feel any pressure to give um, as we continue on in the service. But if you do call Lift Church your home, we would ask that you would take a minute, cheerfully give back to God to build the work that he's doing in Rochester, Minnesota. We are so excited to mark our calendars for June 27th as we have a day of training, fun, and worship at Ironwood Springs. Now this is a time where we can physically be together. It's maybe overdue. Uh, we are just excited together as a church family. So mark that date, go ahead to our event page online and you'll find a spot with more information, more details about the event, as well as a place to RSVP. Now as we transition into a time of worship and teaching, we as a leadership team thought it was important to pause in our series of Unstuck so that we can talk about the injustice that's been happening, not only in the Twin Cities area, but across our nation, specifically surrounding the death of George Floyd. Now, we have a relationship with Pastor Seth Martin from the Brook Community Church in the Twin Cities metro area, and we feel that what Seth has been doing in his church, in his community, is something we want to be a part of. We love Seth. Um, we are so grateful that he would be sharing a message with us this morning. And we think that his message about Christians responding um, biblically to the injustice and the brokenness, not only in the world around us, but in our own hearts, is something we need to hear this morning. So we have an opportunity to hear from Seth. We also have an opportunity to partner financially with the Brook to help a school in their community package care packages for families who are in need in the area. Now we're doing a special offering to partner with them. So if you are interested, if you as a family, you pray about that opportunity and you feel like you wanna give, there is a way to participate by going onto our info page as you would normally give and instead choosing the dropdown that's the Benevolence Fund. If you have any questions or concerns, if you have any issues with that giving, please feel free to reach out to me and just shoot me an email and I would love to walk you through that. Now as we are heading into worship, I'm going to pray for our service. Please grab your Bibles so that you can engage, uh, you can take notes, and just hear from God what He is going to be doing. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be together, even though we're apart. God, we thank you for the ways that you provide um, us to connect, whether we're uh, in Lyft, as we're with the Brook, God, we are the bigger church see, and I just thank you that you unite us, God. I thank you that you're with us not only on the Sunday morning, but throughout the week, God. Um, we want to be in a relationship with you, God. We want to trust you with what you're doing in our own lives, with what you're doing in the cities. God, we pray for healing. We pray um, that you would come and do what only you can do, God, and we have faith to believe that you will do that. So we thank you for Seth. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you, God. Would you be glorified in our worship? Would you grow our faith this morning? God, we love you, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen.
us and set your heart upon the cross. We'll never know the sacrifice you made. For all our sin and all our shame, you took the nails and took our place. No one else can do what you have done. So one name is higher, one name is stronger than any grave, than any throne, Christ exalted over all. From the grave where death would die, you rose again in God. Yo, what's going on, Lift Church family? Listen, I'm so glad to get to uh, drop in and have a conversation with you guys. Um, listen, I love you guys so dearly. Um, I'm praying for you guys during this season. Obviously, I'm praying for our state. And as a church, I want you all to know 
that we love you. The Brook Community Church, we love you guys. Um, and we are, even in these uh, tumultuous days, we're still excited to, to get to walk through life together with you all as a church family. Y'all are our cousins down the road, so y'all really are. And uh, love your pastor, love your elders. And I'm really grateful that I just get a chance to come in and share with you guys what the, uh, what the Lord has put on my heart to, for us to have a conversation and a discussion about. Um, so listen, real quick, let's pray together. I want to pray for you right where you are. In fact, I don't want to just pray for you. I want to pray with you. So right where you are, at your, at your homes, if you're getting to watch somewhere, maybe near, near where you guys normally meet, y'all, come on, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, thank you for bringing us together as a church in this critical season. God, we need you. Our state needs you. Our cities need you. Our country needs you. Speak, Lord. Help us to hear from you. Change our hearts and then use us to change our communities. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So listen, guys, I, uh, I spoke with some of the elders and I spoke with some of the staff uh, personnel. They, they invited me to really just kind of come and get to share with you guys in this moment, in this really critical season. And I want to let you know off the back, I'm here to really encourage you and challenge you uh, as we attempt to continue to grow in our faith and, dis and understand what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus, especially in the wake of what is going on right there in our state or right here in our state, rather. Um, George Floyd was killed um, a couple of weeks ago. There was the looting. There was the rioting. There was the actual peaceful protest. There's the calls for legislation to be changed. There's a calls for voting uh, to, to really increase amongst certain demographics. And all of this, we, we have to ask ourselves, what is the church supposed to say and do and, and move? And how are we supposed to respond in all of this? And I want to lift up a passage of scripture. And I want to tell you, it's not going to sound like I'm preaching to this reality, but I just kind of want to encourage you what the Lord has to say in this in this passage. Go to first John chapter one with me. First John chapter one with me and then go to verse five. First John chapter one, verse five. This is how it reads in the Bible. It says that this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Live family, here's what I want to preach about. I, want, I really want to have this conversation and, and, and preach you from this thought. Let's be honest. That's what I want to encourage all of us to do. Let's be honest. Here's what I want you to understand. And this is what God is, is really pressing on me and what I'm realizing the more I begin to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm understanding. It's possible to have a relationship with God, but not be in fellowship with him. It's possible to have a relationship with God, 
but to not actually be in fellowship with God. When you said yes to him, but your words don't match your walk, you may have relationship with him, but it doesn't mean you're in fellowship with him. Jesus, though, doesn't just want relationship with you. He wants fellowship with you. And that's what the Apostle John, who, who is the one that Jesus loved, that's what he's really trying to get us to understand here in this text. The, the, the Apostle John, he's trying to help us to realize that in following Jesus, in, in what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's showing us that there is really this inseparable link between our words and our walk. And he shows us that if our proclamation, if our preaching doesn't line up with our practice, then the truth is we're deceiving ourselves about our connection to the divine. Man, that's good. Let me say that to you again, man. This, this simple reality is this, is that if our proclamation, if our preaching does not match our practice in life, then the truth is you and I, we're deceiving ourselves about whether we're really connected to God himself. And so that's what John is trying to get us to understand. So he really starts out here in chapter one, verse five. He starts out with really the, the foundation of the gospel. Here it in verse five, he says that this is the message that we have heard from him, him being Jesus, and proclaim to you. And he starts out really with the gospel and he says that God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. He's trying to get us to understand that there's no darkness in his deity. There's no lack of light in the one who is high and lifted up above the heavens. He's God himself. He's perfect in all his ways. He's righteous and he's true. He's completely holy, completely blameless, completely spotless. He is God above everything and there is no darkness in him. He is holy. And friends, this is really where the gospel actually starts. The gospel actually doesn't really start in, in, with grace. It actually doesn't start with the frailty of man. The gospel really starts with the holiness of God. And that's where John is trying to get us to understand. That's where he starts with. He starts out with the simple reality that God is holy, that God is righteous, that God is just, that God is light, that there are no imperfections, no blemish, no darkness in who he is. God is light is where John starts. And then he moves and tells us that he moves from the reality about who God is to a reality about our relationship to God. And he says that God is light in verse five, but then he says in verse six, and if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, then we lie and do not practice the truth. Hear the words of, of John. He says that in, since God is light, the reality is simply this, that if you and I walk in darkness, but say that we're in relationship with the one who is light, the one who is without blemish, he says, then we're lying. He's saying that if you say you follow Jesus while participating in darkness, in dark activities, in things that are contrary to the glorious nature of who God is, he says you really discredit your claim to be a Christian. Because he's trying to get us to understand that it's impossible for me to walk with the light but still stand in darkness. 
I want y'all to hear that again, friends. It's impossible for you to walk with the light, who is Jesus, who is God himself, who is God incarnate, who is without blemish, and still stand in darkness. Let me try and say it to you like this. It's impossible for you to say, I walk with God, I walk with the light, and yet my behavior on the job is that of darkness. It's impossible for me to say, I walk with the light, I stand with God who is holy and without blemish, and yet I cuss out my neighbors on on the regular. It's impossible for me to say, I walk in the light, I stand with the one who is the light, and yet my sex life, I'm not keeping that holy either. I bounce from bed to bed. It's impossible for you to say that I walk with the light, I stand with the God who is without blemish, who is holy, and yet actively participate in dark systems that perpetuate systemic injustice in our world. He's trying to show us the simple reality that if God is light, if God is holy, if God is right and God is good and you say you're in relationship with him, well, you can't say I'm in relationship with the one who is holy, who is light, who is without blemish and yet still stand in the middle of the darkness. He's trying to show us that there is an inseparable link between what believers say, watch this, and what believers do. For the follower of Jesus, your words must correlate with your walk or your faith is weak. I know that's hard, man. That's that's challenging for me to to wrestle with. And and hear me clearly. I'm not saying that it means that our walks are perfect, that we get everything right, that we dot every I across every T. But if we are walking in constant darkness, if we are walking and dwelling and living in our sin, even after we have said yes to Jesus, you might be in relationship with him, but it doesn't mean you're in fellowship with him because you cannot say I'm in fellowship with God who is light and yet still stands in darkness. This is what John is trying to get us to understand. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, watch this, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now, I, want y'all to, I don't want y'all to miss this. I don't want you to run past this. I think that this is an interesting point because it's pointing to the reality that you don't just lie with your lips, but you also can lie with your life. And, and conversely, He's trying to get us to understand that truth isn't just something I tell, it's something I practice. Let me say that again. Truth is not just something I tell, it's something I practice. Following Jesus is not just something I say I do, but it's something that I have to live out in my life. And might I suggest to you, friends, that this is why, frankly, this, there's a problematic reality to the message that some churches and some people are perpetuating, even as we deal in these times of injustice and racism continuing in our country. There's a problem when we say we'll just preach the gospel. Because what so many people are saying when they say it just preach the gospel, they're saying, well, we should just proclaim the gospel and that will fix injustice and that will fix uh, racism. But that's contrary to what John is telling us here in the text. He's un- trying to tell us that, that the truth isn't just something you preach or proclaim. It's got to be something you practice. 
It's, it's got to be something you actively participate in. So it's not enough for me to preach the gospel and say that God is against injustice and God is against racism. I have to live out my faith and live and vote and engage people and have conversations and challenge people at my dinner table and challenge my grandparents and challenge my friends when they say things because that's not just me saying the gospel. At that moment, that's me practicing the gospel. It's practicing that there there is a truth that, yes, God is against this. And as a person who is connected, who is not just in relationship, but who is in fellowship with him, I've got to practice the truth that God is grieved by this and God is against this. Hear me, friends, when 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 we hear about the reality that that there are some people who are there, there are young ladies, that there are children who are being sex trafficked. We never just say just preach the gospel. We never just say proclaim, no, but we practice the gospel because what we do is we give to organizations who have made it their mission to engage and help to liberate children and young women from a life of being sex trafficked. We engage, we practice truth in that moment. When we talk about abortion in our churches, we never just say, hey, that, that God is grieved by this and, and, that it, and that it hurts his heart to see a baby that he placed in, in a womb, even through crazy circumstances at times. We never just say, George just preach the gospel. But no, we, we actually practice the gospel when we, some of us, when we vote to engage our legislation to, to encourage young women and to create programs that assist people to actually take care of their babies and to not just say, well, you should have the baby. And then after they have the baby, leave them by themselves. No, we we should engage and practice those things. We never just say preach the gospel for those issues. But when it comes to injustice, when it comes to racism, when it comes to white supremacy, we say just preach the gospel. But John is going to tell us that being in fellowship with God, being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is not just preaching truth. It's practicing truth. And he says that if you claim to be in fellowship with the light, but you walk in darkness, note the, note the tension here. He's saying that if you say one thing but live out something else, you're a liar. He says you can't just say it, but we have to practice it as well. And then verse 7, note what he does. He, he turns the diamond and he says the opposite is also true. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. Note what John is very clearly saying. He's saying that if you say you follow Jesus, but your life does not match that, you are lying to yourself. But he says on the opposite, if you say you follow Jesus and you are walking with Jesus, you are actually in fellowship with him. And note what he says happens when you are actually in fellowship with him. There's a cleansing of all our sin. Now, I want to make sure I lean into this because I know that this can mess some people up because some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Seth, man, when I got saved, all my sins were cleansed. And I'm going to tell you, yes, you're right. But just because Jesus has cleansed us from all of our sins from an eternal perspective, and just because there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, just because you have been cleansed doesn't mean that you still don't need a daily cleaning. 
And that's the simple reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yes, we have been saved. Your, if you've said yes to him, your, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. But the other reality is you are still being saved, meaning that we are still being transformed to be made into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are still being made to look like him more every single day. And he said that when you are actually walking in fellowship with me, that's what's happening is that I am cleaning you up from the inside. And I want to say that to somebody because I think that's a reality that we all need to remember is that every single day we are still being transformed more and more to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't want to offend nobody, but I'm going to just say it like this. If you think that you have arrived in your Christianity, if you think that you have figured it all, all out as it relates to following Jesus, I want to suggest to you that you have missed what it means to be a follower of Jesus because as long as we're here, God is still working some things out in our lives. And not only is he working things out in our lives, but he's revealing what he needs to work out in our lives. This is what John is trying to get us to understand. That's why he says there's a cleansing for those who are actually in fellowship. But here in verse 8, he says, and if you say, though, if we say we have no sin, he says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John is pointing out that if you say, if I say, if we say that there's still no sin in us, that there's still not something for God to work out in our hearts, that there's still not something that God needs to reveal and then address in our lives, that if we say that, no, I, I know everything about myself and I'm very self-aware and there's no potential, no reality that there's still something that needs to be changed in us, John says you lie into yourself. You're deceiving yourself, and he says the truth is not in you. He says that if you, if you can't admit that there's still parts of my heart that I need to give over to Jesus, if you can't admit that there's still things I wrestle with, then he says you, you're lying to yourself. He says that there's no truth in you and that you're not really in fellowship walking with God. You may be in relationship with him, but you're not in fellowship with him. Because he says that when you're in fellowship with him, there's this constant cleaning that's happening in your life. And there's this constant cleaning of your soul. And then here it is. I'm, I'm actually almost done right now in the last two verses. John, I think he gives a, a very practical, he actually gives some practicals of what it looks like to, to actually walk in fellowship with God, to actually walk in the light. He actually points out one of the the very important realities, and it's, 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 it's a tag of this message. I really want to give it to you. It's, he points out that walking in fellowship with God really means being honest. I want to read to you the, these verses. Check out what he says right here in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, though, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I want to call you to this word real quick, this, uh, this understanding of this word confession. We talk about confession a lot, or if you've been a follower of Jesus, or if you've sat in churches for a little while, you've probably heard this word confess, or if you grew up Catholic, you heard this word confess, or if you pay attention to courtrooms, you know, or any, any laws, you've heard this word confess. But I, I really want to deal with what this word actually confess means in the Greek. Because I think a lot of times we, we do halfway confessions. 
and, and it's not the confession that the Bible actually talks about. Actually, this word confess is, it points to the simple reality that if we call sin what it is. Confessing is not just saying I've, I've made a mistake uh, or I did something. No, no, no. He's saying that confession is calling sin what it is. It's calling sin sin. It's not just saying I made a mistake, I had a stumble, I tripped, or I, I did something I shouldn't have done. But no, confessing is actually is, it's this idea that if I admit that I have grieved God, if I admit that I have willfully disobeyed God, that's what it means to confess. It's to admit not just that I made a mistake, not just that I tripped over, I've stumbled in life. It's to admit that I've actually grieved God. He says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is where it's important, Lift. This is where I want to challenge you. Here's what I believe the Lord is calling for his church to do, and, and especially some of those who, especially churches that may be predominantly white. He's calling us to confess, to call sin what it is, to deal with it on a real level, to confess that racism is sin, to confess that prejudice and bias is sin. To confess that our system and every system is sinful because it was made by sin, sinful people. If we are honest, if we are real, if we can be truthful, that's what God is calling us to do in this, in this season is to just be honest, to just tell the truth, to just call it what it really is. And that's hard for us at times. And here's why I think it's hard. I think it's hard because I think we've missed the second part of what John says in this text. I think the reason that not just in this issue, but really in, in every issue and in, in churches all across the world, one of the reasons that people have, it, have such a hard time being honest and confessing that they've got some sin in their heart, that there's some, still some things they struggle with, that there's still some things they haven't let God get a hold of just yet. I think the reason that we have such a hard doing it in churches all across the world is because we missed the second half, which is the half that talks about the grace. Let me say this to you, friends. People can tell how much grace you have in your heart when they listen to you talk. And so some of the reason that I think that people come to our churches, but they're never able to take off the mask and be honest about what's going on in their lives and the sins that they struggle with is because they hear the conversations we have all around and they're like, I'll never tell them the truth because there's never any grace in their talk. But I want to tell you, if we're going to be real followers of Jesus, then this second part has to be, has to be preeminent in a lot of ways. In that if we confess our sin, if we say sin, call a sin for what it is, here's the good news, friends. Here's the good news of the text. He, he's faithful and just to forgive us 
and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He'll clean what you confess. He'll forgive what you're willing to admit. He'll pardon what you're willing to say. And I think that's such an important part right now in, our, in, in the American church and in, in, in our state right now. We need to confess. We need to call sin what it is. We need to call racism what it is. It's sin. We need to call bias what it is. It's sin. We need to call prejudice what it is. It's sin. We need to confess, and then we need to allow God to forgive us and clean up the unrighteousness in us. And hear me clearly. Don't miss what he said at the very top, that when we confess that these things are sin, when we preach that these things are sin, when we proclaim that these things are sin, don't forget that being in real fellowship with God also means practicing the truth. Meaning it's not enough for us to admit that there is racism conceptually in the world, but we need to admit that there's racism in the world, that there may be some racism in your heart, and then we need to practice the truth that God is against racism. Practice it by speaking out. Practice it by calling our, our family members and friends out at our dinner tables. Practice it by voting and being honest when we go in to vote and say, does this person seem to have any prejudice, any bias, any racism in their heart? And say that if they do, that as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot vote for that person and, cond and condone this thing. We got to realize that, that as we listen to our brothers and sisters, as we listen to the black community, as you are listening to me and telling you that there are people in our political systems that perpetuate oppression, we've got to realize that as I, as a brother and sister, am telling you this, not enough for you to just say you're right and that's wrong, but it's got to be practiced. You've got to actively engage in the fact that God is calling me, to, if I'm going to be in real fellowship with him, to actively fight against this thing. I want you to listen to this last line. I wish this text ended on that note, but it ends on verse 10. He reiterates this reality. He says, if we say we have not sinned, watch this, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Here's the reality. If you say that you have not sinned, if you're unwilling to confess and admit that there's still sin in you, Sin on several levels. Sin maybe in, in your marriage. Sin in your communication. Sin in your heart as you look at your brother and your sister who doesn't have your same skin complexion. If you do not admit that you have that sin in your heart, you're making Jesus a liar. You're calling him a liar. Here's the reality, and I'm done. The reality is this. Confessing our sin Confessing this sin, especially of injustice, prejudice, racism, it's not about being liked by our society. It's about deciding whether we want to be like our Savior. That's the question that you have to actually deal with and wrestle with as you reflect and think in your own heart. Hear me, brother. Hear me, sister. I'm not asking you to wrestle with this question in your heart so you can be liked. I'm not asking you to wrestle with this question in your heart so that you can, you, you, you can say I'm, I'm, I'm for the movement. I'm asking you to wrestle with this question of, is there sin in my heart? 
Is there something I need to allow the Lord to weave out of me, not so you can be liked by society, but so that you all, we all, can be more like our Savior? So that we can not just be in relationship with him, but actually be in fellowship with him. Because those who are in fellowship with him are those who are strong enough to confess that they've got some sin in their lives and that they need to let the Lord Jesus Christ work it out. That's how I want to end it. I want to encourage you, friends, and give you an opportunity to confess. I did this a couple of weeks ago at our unity service. And I think that it's important for us to all do, and it's important for us to say out loud. It's important for all of us in every season to confess to the Lord, confess to one another that we have sin in our hearts still, and that we need him to cleanse our unrighteousness. I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that right now. If you're bold enough, if you're brave enough, do this for me right now. Do me this favor. I want you to repeat this prayer. I want you to just, just be honest. We're going to confess before the Lord that we have sin in our lives, that, that there have been seasons, been moments, been times, maybe even the time is right now that we may be in relationship, but we're not in fellowship. We're walking in darkness because we're not admitting that there's something wrong in us. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, thank you for keeping me. I admit that there have been moments, and even maybe right now, I've had racism, bias, prejudice in my heart. Father, I confess that this does not reflect you. God, help me. I'm giving this thing over to you. Clean me up. Change my life. Change my perspective. Make me more like you. Help me, Father, to see every person made in your image rebuke any thought that says I'm better than somebody else. Help me, Lord, to not just say the truth, but to practice the truth. I need you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, I love you guys. Here's, here's what I want to ask you to do, too. I want to really encourage and challenge some of you guys to be bold. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer, if you are honest, that, hey, there's been moments, times you've had prejudice, racism, bias in your heart. Right there at Lift Church, I want to encourage you. Do me a favor. I, I want you to, to go to your Instagram, go to your Facebook, and I want you to tag me. Just tag me and say, you know what? I've confessed. I'm repenting. And I want God to use me to help in this effort. I just want to encourage you to, and challenge you to do that. And I, and I want to know it because I want to be able to say, I love this person. And I love and that they have confessed and that there's grace for that. And they invite you to how you can partner and fight in this challenge, not just in this issue, but in every issue that grieves God. Here's the other thing, too. After you do that, this is probably the most important thing. Here's the reality, that somebody just heard this message maybe for the first time, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a believer. Perhaps you just decided to watch with a friend or you're at their house and just so, so happened to hear it. Here's what I want to tell you that God cleans up every sin 
no matter what you've done, what you've said, what you've thought, there is no sin that God can't clean you up from. And that this word and what he says, that if we confess our sins, if we are honest about them, that he'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that's true for everybody. And so I want to invite you, listen, if you maybe have never said yes to, yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and you said, Pastor Seth, I've done so many things wrong, I've said so many things wrong, there's just no way God could love me. Here's what I want to tell you, yes, he can. And yes, he does. So I want to encourage you that if you have never said yes to Jesus, do me a favor. I want you to just confess. I want you to say, Lord, I need you to come into my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I disobey. Save me. Change me. I want to live for you. If you just said that, do me a favor. They're going to put this up. I'm sure at Lift Church, they're going to put a wave that you can connect to their church and that you can uh, tell them that you made this confession. All right, Lift Church, I love you. I'm praying for you. We as a church, we're here to walk together in the state through this time and hopefully for the next several years. I'm praying for y'all. I love y'all. I'll see y'all later. Peace. Darkest night, you can light it up.
come awaken the city. God, revive and pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. God, revive and pour it out, pour it out. 